Carrie. I'm Rachel. And today we're talking about Stargate SG-1 Season 2, Episode 13, Spirits. I had completely forgotten this episode. Like most I episodes, I like, once I hear the name and I kind of read the summary, I'm like, oh yeah, that one. This one, I was like, wait, what? I like, first, and it's not a bad episode. I just somehow completely blocked this one out of my brain. This is absolutely 100% one of those ones where you watch it and you're like, oh, yeah, they were making a statement with this yeah. one. They were doing one of those sci-fi sci-fi shows make statements about the world in general. Okay. Yes. Yeah. You can have it. You can yeah. have it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it did give us Alex Sahara, so I'll allow it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So this episode originally aired on October 23rd, 1998. So there was a couple week break between uh, the Toker part two and this one. And it was written by Tor Alexander Valenza and was directed by Martin Wood. And in this episode, SG-11 vanishes while negotiating the mining rights of a valuable mineral on a planet inhabited by a tribe known as the Salish. Can the SG-1 team find their lost colleagues without angering the planet's mystical spirits, or will they become the spirit's next victims? I got that one from the DVD itself, because all the ones I found online were not great, so... I had to pull out the DVDs for this one. <laughs> the last one you read was like a novel. I know, it really was. Yeah, this, this was <laughs> short and sweet. And yeah. Cliffhangery. Yes. So this episode opens with SG-1 and Hammond in the briefing room, and they're examining a rock slash mineral thing that SG-11 brought back from a recent mission, and this is apparently called Trinium. It is 100 times lighter and stronger than steel, but too brittle in its raw ore form to use. Like, Tilk just picks it up and just, like, crushes it with his hand. Like, I know Jafar are strong, but that's, that. I mean, that's impressive, really, mm-hmm. for anybody to do. Who do you think named it? <sighs> I always wonder who's in charge of naming this. I thing. know. I don't, I don't know. Somebody must be, because, and, like, where, yeah, like, where did that name come from? Like, you'd think Trinium, like, try, so is there, like, a three, something with three... In it, is it's Adam like a three thing structure? I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I tried to look up the meaning of Trinium, but I just all referenced back to Stargate websites. So I, there's nothing on Trinium on the internet that we don't know from the show. So me, but I do have other fun facts this week. So we're back to having oh, fun yay. facts. Yay. Oh, is this a fun fact that we can make up then? So now I have to actually try and think something. I like your try thing. Yeah. Yes, three three mini- minerals combined, or maybe three qualities about it. Hmm, maybe. I'm trying to think like aluminum, like what does the minum mean? Trinium, the eum. Let's 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 Google that. <laughs> eum. What exactly are you going to type in? What does it eum. mean if something has an eum? <laughs> eum suffix. Um. No, eum. that's just giving me the definition of suffix suffix meaning okay now that's just okay let's get rid of that eum um let's see according to wordreference.com uh eum is a suffix found on nouns borrowed from latin and um Deverbal compounds with the initial element denoting the object of the verb and other types of compounds and derivatives of personal nouns, often denoting the associated status or office, like 
consortium, the EM thing. No, it's not, unfortunately. Uh, no. Didn't aid dic- in anything. Lexi, dictionary.com. No, it's just, it's a suffix found on nouns borrowed from Latin. Great. Does it mean? What does the EM mean? Maybe they decided to call the city on the planet Trini. So it's Trinium. Oh, here we, here we go. Okay, so the EM suffix is a Latin suffix which forms abstract nouns. Thus, it is used to form chemical elements name names from its naming origin, such as minerals calcium from calx or person names gadolinium from whoever gadoline is. So, so it's made so, from Trini? So it's made from Trini. So it's made from Trin. So it's, yeah, it's, it's okay, made so from Trin. So Trinium. It is Trinium. Okay. Yeah, that would be right. Okay, cool. So, made from Trin. Okay, cool. So apparently since this mineral is so cool, SG-11 was sent back to the planet to get more samples, but are 48 hours overdue for a check-in. And there aren't any immediate signs of indigenous peoples around, but SG-11 have only scouted sort of directly around the gate and didn't sort of wander too far away. So there could be people and we just haven't found them yet. It was really the first time that they kind of talked about like, well, they could be elsewhere on the planet. Yeah, like Jack was like, it is a big planet, sir. So like, (laughs) thank you for acknowledging that, you know. entire planet. There's life beyond the 50 miles around the gate. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> we then get an incoming traveler, and once again, we somehow receive the GDO code before the wormhole's established, but whatever. It's SG-11's code, which is great, uh, except not really, because instead of SG-11, we get an arrow flying through the gate, blasting through the window of the control room, and lodging in Jack's arm. Ugh. And, and I, love how ex- I love how his expression was like, not again, damn it. <laughs> well, I'm always the one to get stabbed. Yes. <laughs> and so then we cut to the opening credits. So we come back from the credits with Jack in the infirmary and the rest of SG-1 is in their gear getting ready to ship out. And Carter is now in charge for this mission and we do find out that it's her first command. Daniel has the arrow with him and says that it's native North American in design but was made of trinium. So if the people on this planet are of um, like Native American descent, they've apparently become quite advanced to be able to work with this mineral and form it into the quite fancy arrowhead that we see is on the arrow. And Hammond then comes in as like, so the main goal of this mission is to find SG-11. But also, the Pentagon would really, really love it if you could also negotiate some kind of mining deal with the indigenous people that are there. I love how that was an after effect of, like, find them. But also, if you have time, negotiate an entire treaty contract for this whole mineral that we want. Yes. Should take you, like, an hour. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally be fine, right? They they can. I bet they have Daniel. Daniel. Yeah. Daniel could do that in his sleep. Nice. So on the alien planet, we see Sam and Daniel approaching SG-11's campsite where there is a raven sitting in the middle before it like claws and then flies off. And Tilk radios that he is at the blast site, but nobody is there. Upon investigation at the campsite, it appears it was abandoned quite suddenly as like the coffee has boiled dry and Captain Connor was in the middle of a sentence on a requisition form. 
And Tilk then enters the tent and has found some very strange things at the blast site. Uh, there were two charges set. One was detonated, but the second was not. There were footprints leading to the charges, but no footprints leading away. And it's like they just disappeared. As Daniel says, creepy. Something weird is going on here. See, People seem to have just like disappeared into thin air from the middle yeah. of whatever they were doing. The way Daniel kind of reacts to that news, I felt like he kind of thought it might have been the Knox. I know, yeah, I do wonder if that was because he didn't he say something like "Could it be?" He said "creepy." Oh, I, th- I thought he said something like "Could it be?" He said no, "creepy." He said, he said like right. "creepy." Yeah. No. So Tilk then hears something outside and exits the tent. We, the viewer, see a wolf up on a hill overlooking the camp, but Tilk does not see it. Sam and Daniel come out of the tent, and Tilk's like, I know I heard something, to which Daniel responds, ghosts? Which, I, what? Like, what? Yeah. I'm like, where Where did that come come from? Why? No, Daniel? No? That totally would have been my first thought. <laughs> of course. Ghosts, obviously. Hello. <laughs> yeah, duh. But yeah. apparently, like all no. the weird di- the, All the weird stuff they've seen so far, of course, it is ghosts. Of course it's ghosts. Um, but no, Jafat don't believe in ghosts. So we have learned something about the Jaffa in this episode, which is quite interesting. So they start, I guess, like walking through the woods to see if they can find like whatever it was that made that noise when Tilk spots a totem pole. And at the top of the totem pole is a large bird, probably a raven, with its wings wrapped around a bunch of smiling faces. Below that is a wolf, and below that is another raven that's eating a snake, and below that several people, like, sort of in chains, and, like, the head of a Jaffa, and some of the items appear to be carved out of trinium, which is interesting, and then Sam asks Daniel if he can interpret it, and he says, It's a, it's a clan crest. I believe, akin to the style of the Central Coast Salish Indians, it, it tells a story of the clan's origin. This one tells of how they were brought here from a distant planet by evil rulers. Now, according to this figure, uh, the evil rulers were probably Jaffa, taking them from Earth. What do you know about the Salish Indians? Uh, well, actually, you know, one of these times I'm actually going to pull out, like, random facts. And you're gonna be like, stop. I got nothing. But you know what I did kind of wonder, though, is mm-hmm. because in this whole show at large, they're expanding, you know, the different types of people that were you know, supposedly taken from Earth at different mm-hmm. times in different locations. Like, the more and more they kind of mention that to fulfill, you know, having the variety on the episodes, the more I just kind of wonder, like, how would that even be possible to go unnoticed to do that? Yeah. Like, if there's one gate that was buried and one gate that was in Antarctica... How in the world would we have that they have done that without like nobody ever noticing something weird? Yeah, because some of these people were not around until long after the gate was buried because the gate got buried in like BC times from the movie. Right. Like Ra came BC. So yeah, the gate has been buried for a very, 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 very long time. And then when was it that they unburied it? It was, what? 1928. So millennia later. (laughs) So how in the world when they have gotten old English people Um, and like Roman time people and Native American time people? I mean, did they they start 
just coming in ships and taking everybody away by ship. So maybe all the, legends, the legends of are true of aliens yes. abducting yes. people. Yes. Maybe that's what they're going with. The abducting yeah. people had legends are true of taking people yeah. off elsewhere. Yeah. I'm just Definitely. rambling by now, but yeah, the more and more they kind of bring yeah. this whole theory into it that they took people from different times and places, I'm like, you're not thinking that through to actually explain how that's supposed to happen. Yeah. But it's a yeah. very big loop, like plot hole. Very big yes. plot hole. Yes. Yeah, very yeah. big. Anyway, would you like to know some stuff about the Salish Indians? <gasps> would I ever? Okay. So the Salish people are from the Pacific Northwest of the U.S. and the southwestern area of Canada, which includes British Columbia. Surprise, mm-hmm. surprise. Um, within the four major Salish groups, there are 23 documented languages. Five are unfortunately now extinct, and many of the rest are seriously endangered. Um mm-hmm. There are more efforts now to try and preserve these languages, which is great, Uh, including there's like some areas where they've set up like full immersion schools where you only speak in the native language and not English like at all, which is cool. In 1993, full autonomy of the tribe was returned to the elders from the U.S. government. So that's that's far too recent for, I think, my liking. (laughs) I saw Mm -hmm. that I was like, oof. And then in an effort to sort of push back against assimilation policies that were developed in like the six, starting in like the 60s, um, in 2016, the Salish peoples elected to rename themselves more in their, what their actual native language is, which is Salish Kalipse. I think I'm pronouncing that right. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Um, and because, you know, to these people, the language is so inherent to their culture and like their belief system. So they're trying to really revive what their language actually is and make sure that stays alive so their culture can stay alive and not disappear as it seems to be doing, unfortunately. One cool thing though, is that there is a yearly powwow held on July 4th called the Arli Espapkenyi celebration. Again, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Um, it's hosted by the Confederated Salish and Kootenai tribes and is located in Arley, Montana. It lasts for several days and involves drum competitions and singing competitions, but also non-competitive singing and drum performances. There you go. There's a little bit about the Salish peoples. Yay! Thank you. You're welcome. Okay, so with the totem pole, basically we learned that this was once a Gould planet. And according to the crest, Zells, which is the, the raven figure, destroyed the Gould, and then protected these people ever since. And Zells is the Salish's main spirit. On Earth, he's a benevolent spirit and is represented by that raven figure. Would you like to know some more about Zells in, like, actual Would I ever? Okay. Um, So the first thing I found was actually how to pronounce this this, uh, spirit's name. Um, So it's spelled X-E-L-S. Sometimes, like, there's an apostrophe in the middle. Sometimes there's not. I wasn't quite sure which was the actual real correct spelling with or without the apostrophe. But I did find, so the letter X is actually pronounced like the ch at the end of the Scottish word loch or the German ach. So oh. that kind of back of the throat, like kind of noise. So it mm-hmm. should be like hells or something. That's going to sound really great on radio. I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm really sorry for everybody that's listening on headphones right now. I'm sorry. I should have put a warning in there. So that's how it should be pronounced, but again, that's not going to be pleasant for anybody listening, so I'm going to go with how they pronounce it on the show, just to save everybody's ears. 
Wait, so what is it supposed to be? Do it. Do it. It's supposed to be like hells, I think. (laughs) The h sound followed by E-L-S. How would you pronounce that? Well, that's so funny that it's at the beginning of the word. I've only really ever heard that like as a closing sound. So it's (laughs) hells. 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 Okay. I'm not bad. Hells. Hells. I, I got it. Hells. Okay. So maybe like that. There you go. Hells. Hells. Okay. So there's really only information about Zells in like one book, which was edited by William Sturdivant, and it's called The Handbook of North American Indians. And in this it's book, not, um, it's not what? The handbook for the recently deceased. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, but in this book, he says, in myth, there was an age when the world was different. Its people were like both humans and animals of the present age, and it was full of dangerous monsters. The myth age ended when Zells, the transformer, came through the world, transforming monsters and other myth age beings into rocks and animals and setting things in order for the people of the present age. So that's sort of the only information we have about the myth of Zells here. Um there doesn't seem to be any confirmation that Zells himself was a raven, but ravens do appear quite frequently in many Native American traditions. And the raven is seen as like a creator, messenger, and helper to humankind, but he's also often referred to as a trickster or like transformer character, which means he can sort of shapeshift at will. In many stories, the raven is often paired with a coyote or a wolf, who is also a trickster slash transformer character. And the trickster is usually stubborn and cruel and prone to duplicity, shenanigans, and greed. And these traits usually cause their plots to backfire. However, the transformer spirit is quite serious and concerned about human welfare. Those greedy shenanigans. (laughs) So that's Zells. And we'll see him (laughs) in a little bit. So that's Zells. (laughs) So that's Zells. there's then a noise in the woods like you know sounds like somebody stepping on like a stick and took like raises a staff weapon and the wolf we saw from earlier seems to be sort of like disappearing and appearing sort of around them across the path that they're walking on and uh tilk is then shot with two darts uh sam is then shot with one and daniel is also shot with one and as they start to pass out they see what look like native american men walking towards them So the three of them wake up then in the Salish village. They've been stripped of their jackets and weapons, and Sam tries to leave but is stopped by a guy with a crossbow. So it kind of seems like they're prisoners at this point, which to Sam is good news because if they're prisoners, then SG-11 is probably prisoners too, which, like, I kind of see her point. (laughs) Like, if they're prisoners, that means SG-11 is probably around here too somewhere. So Sam starts like poking around at the building and it looks like it's made of some kind of flexible trinium based material, but like there's no obvious signs of the manufacturing process that would be necessary to make the raw ore into the type of material that they're seeing this building is made out of. And Daniel says that the Salish are migratory people, so... And just kind of trails off, but I'm guessing would lead to so maybe just the manufacturing is done somewhere else. Um, So Sam then wonders out loud how far they are from the mining camp when three men enter and one of them answers that it's a couple days walk. He then introduces himself as Tonane and Sam introduces herself with her full name and rank, including SGC. 
And this guy jokes, long name. So she's like, um, how about Sam? So and this okay. is where we meet the grooviest native ever. I know. I love Tonane. Once I, <laughs> once I like remembered as I started watching, once I like started remembering this, I was like, oh, yes, Tonane, the guy who just like, okay, yeah, sure. Just he yeah. just goes with the flow. Hey. He's up for anything. Cool. He's yeah. Great. He he belongs just like they should have brought him like a VW bus. <laughs> they should have taken him into 1969. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like a groovy super dude from California it was his yeah. entire being, and I loved it so much. Um, Daniel and Tilk are then introduced, and Tonane asks after the demon that the spirits say is inside Tilk. And Tilk promises that it won't do them any harm. But Tonani's like, that's great. Usually that would mean, you know, a lot to me. But I, I don't know who you are. So your promise really that has no meaning to me. But, you know, he's got a big smile on his face. So he's like, I don't mean to be rude, but I, your word means nothing to me at this point. I don't, I don't know you, man. And Sam's like, you know, none of us mean any harm. And so he's like, well, what about the weapons? And Sam's like, it's, you know, for self-defense because our friends are missing. And Tonani says, they're not missing. They're with the spirits. And Daniel's like, so they're dead? And he's like, no, they're with the spirits. Oh, right, the spirits. Yes, of course. Yes. yes. Of course they know the spirits, right. Mm-hmm. Yes, those spirits, yes. Okay. Yes. Um, well, you know, there's so many of them. Which ones specifically are they with? <laughs> Could you tell us <laughs> which ones specifically they're with? Because there's so many. And Tonani says they're probably with Cells or maybe Takaya. So fun fact. Takaya is from the Slail Watuth language, and it means wolf. And the Slail Watuth territories include Vancouver. Ah. So that's where that one came from, which that's I thought funny. was nice. A little sort of tie back to where they actually filmed the show. Um, do, you, do you notice that kind of in this episode when Sam is in charge of the mission, she kind of starts acting like Jack? I have a fun fact about that at the end. If you want to hang on to that thought. Okay. Pin in that. So Sam then asks if, you know, they're prisoners. And he's like, no, you're free to go. She's like, okay, can we have our stuff? And he's like, yeah, of course. So they go get their gear and their weapons. And we learn. I do do love that part where they're like, can we have our stuff? Can we have our guns? Yeah, sure. Sure. Like, there's no hesitation whatsoever. He's just like, okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we learned that SG-11 was taken by Zells for stealing the key, which is what the the Salish call the trinium. So Zales then told Tonane to shoot the arrow through the gate, hoping that it would signal us to stay away. I mean, yeah, but also we don't leave our friends behind. So... Mm-hmm. Tonane doesn't know exactly where SG-11 is, but he can take SG-1 to Zell's, who would know where they are. And he's like, it can't hurt to ask, right? Okay. Sure. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah. So at this point, basically, SG-1 don't believe, like, the spirits are a real thing. And they think that Tonane is just blaming his actions on the spirits. Like, they think Tonane did all this stuff with, like, the kidnapping SG-11. And it's all his fault, they think, kind of at this point. But they go with him anyway because they kind of don't have any other option at this point. And Daniel says that there will probably be a ceremony of some kind and that, like, no matter how ridiculous it is, we need to just, like, go with it and do what he says. And Sam then asks Tonane how they get the trinium in the state that it is where they can, like, actually make things with it. And Tonane says that they ask the spirits to ask the mountain for the key. If the mountain is in a good mood, it puts the key in the river and the river cleans it and then they can use it. 
Oh, oh okay. Mm-hmm. That, sound, that sounds great. Perfectly. So they then walk into the forest and Tonane calls out for Zells and Takaya. And Daniel seems really confused that there's no ritual or ceremony involved in this. And Tanani says that that's what his ancestors used to do. But then Zells was like, just just call for me and I'll show up. So that's what they do now. Mm-hmm. And we then see the wolf come out and Tonane greets her as Takaya and compliments her very shiny fur. He then urges Sam to do the same. And she goes, my, what? big eyes you have and kind of like rolls her eyes at herself because she just doesn't know what else to say. And he then tells her to ask Takaya about their friends, which she like starts to do. And then you can tell she kind of starts to like feel dumb about what she's doing. And is like, that's just a wolf. Why am I talking to a wolf? That's not a spirit. That's just a wolf. And Tonani's like, well, you can't see the wind either, but you still know it's there, right? This is the same thing. You see a wolf. It's a spirit. Ask it. And then the raven from earlier lands on a tree nearby, and Daniel asks if that's Zell's, and Hanani confirms that it is. So Daniel, like, apologizes for their transgressions and then asks Zell's if he would release their friends. Zell's then calls, and Daniel's like, did you hear that? He said he would let them go, and Tilk plays right along with it, those liars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Hanani's like, no, he said he would think about it, and Sam's like, yeah, sure, yep, right. that's, that's- that's what Zell said. The raven flies off and they continue to like walk through the forest and just sort of look around while they wait for Zell's to make up his mind. And Zell's then finds them apparently not too long later because they're like, that was quick. And cause some more. And Tonane says that Zell says that SG1 will be released like right now. So, okay. Um, I'm kind of wondering why throughout this whole thing, like Daniel wasn't doing the talking. <laughs> I know. I'm like, isn't this? Yeah, this is really Daniel's area that we're in. Daniel should be stepping up right now. We then see a mist appear a little farther into the woods and we see Takaya walk into it. And then moments later, SG-11 walk out of the mist. Yay! Which, side note, SG-11 is a very large team with like seven members to it. Yeah, it was a lot. Yeah. I was like, that's a lot of people. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, as they're walking out of the forest back to the village, SG-11 have no memory of the last 48 hours, just a massive headache. And Sam then brings up how Tanane asked them to stop the blasting. And he's like, well, yeah, but we'd already, we have hot charges. So basically like these charges had to be blown. I'm guessing like they couldn't be unactivated or whatever. And Captain Connor said, you know, they would talk after they blew those two charges that they had been set and Sam's like, mm. so she goes to Tanane. He's like, I think we need to have that conversation now that you were supposed to have with him. And Tanane's like, well, that's not my kind of decision. We need to go talk to the village elders. With the village elders, uh, they understand. Meanwhile, what- <laughs> sorry, I have to throw that every now and then. Meanwhile, I'm back at the camp. <laughs> with the village elders, they understand what Sam is asking for, but the mining methods are too wasteful and destructive. And the elders ask if they could just use what comes in the river. And she's like, I mean, we kind of need more than that. And we also don't want to take away from what you need. And we do have other ways to mine that are better than this. You know, we could show you some of those. And they're like, okay, can, can Tonane go back to Earth with you to see it? <laughs> just like out of nowhere. Send Tanani back to Earth with these strangers. And Tanani's right. like, yeah, I love to travel. Let's do this. So. Yeah, sure. It's cool. I'll get my suitcase. It'll be great. Yeah. 
So uh, uh, Tanani is going to go back to Earth with SG-1 and SG-11. Yeah. Yay. Uh, quick. Oh, I love how they also, don't they say something like, isn't it dangerous? And he's just like, well, they do it. They're fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, they're fine. They do it all the time. <laughs> Again, just totally chill about everything. <laughs> Grooviest native ever. Yes. So a quick jaunt through the wormhole and back in the infirmary, Sam is like giving Jack the rundown of everything that happened when Hammond comes in with Tonane, who will need a medical exam. But don't worry, everybody does it when they get back. We do apparently have some new procedures where there's more thorough medical exams when people come back from missions now. Well, <laughs> Are we learning? Sort Are we... of. I don't know. I mean, there still were no, like, hazmat or quarantine or let's make sure they're not bringing back some sort of airborne disease with them. No. They were but all there, I did, sitting on beds. Yeah, I did see, uh, like, Captain Connor would, like, they were, like, feeling around his neck to, I guess, see if there's a symbiote in there. So. Oh, yeah, I didn't put They're, they're kind of doing Probably that they were now. Doing. Yeah. <laughs> well, they can't even do that now that they know about the Tok'ra. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So we then cut to the briefing room where Tanane is looking at a video of various mining methods. And he's kind of like touching the screen like, you know, there's a whole new thing to him. Like he is like probably what the fuck is that? Was but again, this whole still thing? about it. But still, he's like, yeah. Um, he's like, yeah, no, that doesn't really seem much better, really. And Hammond's like, well, once we're done, we go back and like fix the land and replant all the trees and stuff. And he's like, no, our way is still the best way. And it's the only way he'll allow. So that's that. He's made up his mind. They're not going to let us mine in the way we usually mine things. But Daniel can show him the rest of the facility if he would like. And Daniel would also like to tell him about his ancestors because, oh, yeah, your people are from here. <laughs> Surprise. Yay. That bomb. Guess what? You're from here. Uh, I just love when that happens. It's like, oh, hey, by the way, you came, you mm-hmm. came, you originally came from here. Um, yeah. Anyway, so Daniel and Tanane go off while everybody else stays there. And here's where things start to get a little awkward. So since Tanane won't agree to any kind of mining treaty, the NID slash Pentagon has basically ordered Hammond to consider other alternatives. Basically. Anything? Doing it? Yeah. Like, since the Salish are migratory people, once they're not around the cave anymore, we'll just go back and mine anyway. And uh, nobody likes that. Even Hammond doesn't really like it, but those are the orders he's been given. So they're going to do that. And, like, you know, Jack and Samurai, like, you know, it's not our right to do that. And also the whole, like, moral argument about. Doing that is not a good thing, but I... Although this all sounds familiar. I, yeah. I think we've done it before. The sound and didn't go too well last Where? time. Where have I heard about this? Hmm. Yeah. Uh, mm. But too bad. It's, it's going to happen. So they all storm off. Sam tries to talk to Jack, but he's just like, he's not in the mood and just like blows her off and keeps on walking. But Captain Connor was in the briefing room and he kind of hung back a bit and then just walks right into Hammond's office. And apparently you're just not supposed to do that because Hammond's like, I have a meeting. What are you doing? And then he like brings his forearms up in front of his face with his hands and fists and kind of like claps them together. And then Hammond is enveloped in a white light and just like disappears. Just poof. Just poof. Hammond is gone. 
So Captain Connor heads back into the briefing room where the other members of SG-11 are waiting. And he says, as I suspected, they intend to deceive our friend Tonane. It's time to show the Earthlings the power of the spirits. Mm. So, so this is not SG-11. No. These are, we do, I don't know who, well, apparently the spirits, but definitely not SG-11. So, uh, so here's also my question, though, of why this really should not have gone as smoothly as it did because if they're just pretending to like if if their talent is that they can just like shapeshift then they should look like them and perhaps sound like them but they would they should not have been able to like act like them or yeah know, unless there's some kind of memory transfer with that but they never they never ever mentioned any sort of we can get in your mind and know you yeah. in your inner thoughts they only ever was like shapeshifters yeah that is true so, so i call foul yes unless no yeah no i don't know i got nothing uh, yeah, yeah i got nothing on that yeah. whole how they were able to pretend to be sg11 for yeah several hours at least yeah Boo, Stargate Boo. Yes. Didn't think that one through. Nope. Moving on. Yeah. <laughs> so SG-11 is then like walking through the base and doing the same thing that Connor did to him and to like all of the other people. And there's one scientist in the lab, which I think is Dr. Warner. And he manages to hit like an alarm of some kind before he gets taken, quote unquote. That's what I'm going to call it. They get taken. So I'm going to refer to what's happening here. You don't want to say um, they got poofed? You can say that. I'm going to say they get taken. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, We then hear over the intercom a voice calling for code nine. And Jack is walking down the hall behind some soldiers when he stops short. And we just see sort of the flash of light where those soldiers apparently have gotten taken. And he ducks into a doorway to hide as some of the members of SG-11 walk by. He then heads up the stairs there. Apparently he was like right near where the control room is and he goes up there and the control room is now empty. So he closes the blast doors and some kind of emergency switches and then gets on the intercom to sound code nine himself. Like this is not a drill. This is code nine. This is for real. Something's happening. And I do, how many codes does the SGC have? If this is code nine, how, how high does it go? How many codes? I was gonna ask you if you had any fun facts about Code Nine. I don't. I do not. I got nothing. So I don't know. Maybe it's some sort of like running inside joke of like Code Nine. How many codes are there? There's four. Plan in Plan M, Hardison dies. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, wrong show. So we then cut quickly over to like Tonani and Daniel walking around and Tonani's like, what's going on? And like, what does that alarm mean? And Daniel's like, oh, this just means you get to see like a really super secret part of the base that nobody gets to see and like ducks into a storeroom. I mean, sure. Yeah, that that works. Yeah. Yeah. Jack is then running down the hall with like various blast doors closing behind him. And he runs into Sam and Tilk uh, exiting the armory. And it looks like they're the only ones that have made it out of this disappearing thing which how convenient that sg1 are the ones that are left to you know that's why they pay them the big bucks that's why they're sg1 yes got the smarts yep um so jack tells them like what he's seen happening and they decide to head to the lab where the original alarm started and when we enter the lab we sort of hear the sound of wings flapping and then we see dr warner appear and he says that tonane came into the lab and did the arm thing 
and made everybody disappear, but he hid and was safe before he hit the alarm. And Jack asks about, you know, SG-11, because as far as he's concerned, SG-11 is the one that's doing this. And Dr. Warner says that they're meaningless and that Tonane is the important one before he leaves the room. And Jack's like, meaningless? Mm, something, something's up there. They're following Dr. Warner down the hall. And Jack's like, okay, who are you? Because you are obviously not Dr. Warner. And, like, Jack has raised his gun and Tilk is aiming his that gun at whoever this is. And he then confesses that he is not Dr. Warner. He is one of the protector spirits. And if they harm him, their friends will not be returned. And Jack says, we don't respond well to threats. And quote unquote, Dr. Warner's like, neither do we. And he like raises his arms to start to try and do the flashy light thing. The poof. The poof. Find the poof. poof. Uh, When Tilk zaps him and he falls to the ground. Um, which, okay, I don't know if it's so, like, he falls face down, and then the sort of glimmer or whatever kind of shimmers away, and the alien is lying face up. Don't know if you noticed, the Dr. Warner falls face down, but when the Dr. Warner d- disguise goes away, the alien is face up. I did notice that, but um, like, that happens, I thought it happened, like, one more time, where when the disguise melts away, they are, like, backwards from what they were. <sighs> I don't remember. But I just, that I one was super that. Yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah. So anyway, so he falls to the ground. The Dr. Warner disguise sort of shimmers away, revealing his true form. And this is a humanoid like alien that has gills really, I guess, instead of a nose. And they are wearing a long silver metallic gown, which, you know, just standard alien wear. Totally cool. Right. Just, yeah. just the, the nondescript, we're aliens. Yes. We wear the silver suit with the boots. Yes. Um, sort of very, very poorly. Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, at some point in time, we're just going to all wear silver suit with the boots. Yep. We know Although we never see their feet, now. so I don't know if they're wearing boots or not. But mm. the dress does go all the way to the ground. Um, but fun fact, cross off. If you have Alex Zahara on your Vancouver Rector's Bingo, this is Alex Zahara. Uh, who's been in like, every, everything and actually, and will return to SG1 later. So, but this is his first appearance on the show. And I'm going to look up what his real face is because <laughs> I, I can't think of it off the top of my head. I know I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, that guy. Okay. Oh, yeah, that guy. Yep. Yeah. Got it. Yep. So, he's cool. Alex is a lot of fun. If he's ever at a convention near you, go see him because he's cool and lots of fun. So Tilk picks them up so they can like take him to the infirmary and we then see two airmen turn another corner in a hall and we see Hammond standing there with the wolf, but that's not Hammond because he does the hand clappy poof. He does the poof and make them disappear. And, he does do the poof. And then uh, Hammond and the wolf uh, then return temporarily to their true form to talk about how they need to find Tonane the female alien tells the other guy to stay as Hammond and then she turns back into the wolf so that, you know, Takaya and that she will go find Zells and Tonane. And uh, in a storage room, Daniel's like been peeking out of the door and he's just seen that whole thing. So that all happened in the hallway, right where Daniel and Tonane were hiding. And he closes the door and then just like goes back to like bullshitting Tanane to like try and buy time. He's like, so this is where we keep stuff for when we need it. <laughs> like, good, good, good job. Also, Dan. 
how how open he had that door to like peer through yeah. it for like the camera's sake. There's no way that they would not have seen him there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no way. No. Um, no. Not stealthy. No. Um, but but tonight just like, can I go home? I, <laughs> I like, love that too. Can I go home now? Can I go home now? I feel like and looking Dan- at a roll of toilet paper. Like, yeah. And Tana's like, home? yeah. But Tana's like. Um, not yet. Oh, okay. So there really is something wrong and we need to go find Jack. And then Janelle's like, well, Jack's not in here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, well, he's not here. I love he's, his character so much. He's not he's here. He's so good. Yeah. I gotta look up if the guy's like done other things and like, what else has he done? And is, is he like that in everything? Cause well, he's just. I'll look it up while we're talking. Okay. Please tell me. So we then cut to the infirmary where we see Zell still He's kind of unconscious, like his eyes are kind of like opening and closing. He seems kind of more drugged than completely like unconscious at this point. When Daniel and Tanane then come in and we get one of the most awesome exchanges between Jack and Daniel ever on the show. Jack? Daniel? Are you you? Yeah, you. What? Never mind. I just, you just think, yeah, are you? Are you? Me? Yes. I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just it's so good and it's so them and i love it so much so oh so that guy's name was rodney grant that plays tonane okay has he, been in Ooh, he was else? in dances with wolves oh okay i he, mean he yeah was, he was wind in his hair it's been a very long time since i've seen that movie i don't recall that character off the top of my head but oh, are you really what i know i'm sorry how can you not remember wind in his hair i know he does have glorious hair though he does have glorious hair he's a very nice hair um, it looks like, it looks like he does a lot of movies where they just need, like, token Native American guy. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I was just reminded of the horrible movie that was filmed on my college campus where the token Native American guy was just the really tan white guy. <laughs> oh, terrible. Oh. Yeah. Oh. It's called Fear Lake, if anybody wants to go look it up. Yeah. <laughs> It was like, filmed on my college campus. They just got the tannest guy they could find, and they were like, yeah. you. Yeah. And I think they, like, gave him, like, white hair, so he's, like, supposed to be old, so his hair looked, like, even more tan kind of a thing. Mm. <laughs> I think, if I'm remembering it correctly. Um, yeah, he was in, this guy was in Jack the Bull, something called okay. Lakota Moon, Wild okay. Wild West, that, oh. you know, steampunky type movie. Yeah. Uh, okay. White Wolves 3. Don't know that one. Anyway. Okay, cool. To watch one of these sometimes and see if you really yes. that groovy. Yes. <laughs> anyway, meanwhile. Anyway, meanwhile, back in the infirmary. So Tanane's like, maybe I should just go home. And they're like, well, not yet. First, Jack would like to introduce you to an alien. And he's like, what's an alien? And Jack is like, this is an alien. And also, this is Zell's. He isn't, this is Zell's. This thing you see, this is Zell's. And Tanane's like, ah, uh, what? Mm, mm. And Tilk then explains that aliens uh, from where he is from impersonated his old gods and to, like, rule over them and, like, you know, be scary, awful people. And perhaps that was that's what Tanane's spirits are doing. And Tanane's like, no, these guys aren't evil. They're nice and helpful. And Jack's like, okay, well, they're, like, doing bad stuff to us here. And Tanane's like, well, the only reason they would do that is if you're doing bad stuff to me. So, are you? And if you are... I love the way he asks it, too. Yeah, he's like, so are you? 
Yeah, just so matter of fact, like not really accusatory, but just like, are you doing bad no, stuff? There is a little bit. There's there was a little bit of like in his eyes. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, like a little you? bit. And if if they are doing bad stuff, then there's just there's no way to stop the spirits. They'll do what they want, and there's nothing that SG one or anybody in the SGC can do. And then out in the hallway, we get a quick shot of Takaya in wolf form walking around. And we see four soldiers run around the corner with their weapons drawn. And she just, like, looks at them. And then there's a flash of light and they're gone. So apparently she can do the poof thing without needing to, like, clap her hands together. So she's just that awesome. Apparently. So back in the infirmary, she won her trying to figure out, like, how to salvage this situation and because, you know, they were basically caught plotting behind closed doors and it's going to be really hard to convince these spirits that they're actually really for real, like telling the truth this time. <laughs> There's no way they'll just trust our word on anything that we say. And Daniel suggests appealing to the elders on Tanane's home planet, which Jack agrees to and gives Daniel and Tilk the go ahead to head back. And Jack's going to go ahead and just tell Tanane the full truth about everything. My question here is, what are the elders going to do from another planet? I don't know. My thought was, good luck even getting there. Yeah, I mean, that <laughs> too. But also, what are, what are they going to be able to do from there? Well, I, I mean, I, well, I guess it was like, if the spirits are doing whatever they're doing to protect Tonani's people, then if Tonani's people are like, we're cool, leave them alone, then they would listen. I guess. But that would involve going there and then bringing more of Tonani's people back to Earth? I don't know. <laughs> they show up and they're like, so our people are mysteriously disappearing? And they're like, what people? And they're like, well, they're not here, obviously, because they've been disappearing. And then the comedy ensues. <laughs> yes. Oh. Anyway. Um, what people? Exactly. Ex- <laughs> oh. So, but apparently Daniel and Tilk have made it to the control room and they get the blast doors open and they see Takaya as the wolf uh, sitting on the ramp and Tilk starts to head down there with his weapon. But Daniel's like, wait, like, let me talk to her first. So in the gate room, Takaya then turns into her humanoid self as Daniel pleads to be heard. And we see two more aliens appear in the control room and they zap Tilk away. And Takai raises her hands, but Daniel's like, wait, 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 I know where, I know where Zeld is. We've promised to hear me out and I'll take you to him. So Takai is like, fine, and like lowers her arms. So then in the infirmary, Zels is still not woken up, but Jack thinks he's just faking it. And Tonane then disappears as one of the aliens walks in. Zam, Sam, Zam, Sam raises her Sam. gun. <laughs> Sam raises her Zat gun and she gets poofed away. And then Jack raises his like hand gun and Daniel's like, wait, 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 that. They just let these people take care of Zells and it'll be fine. And then we get probably my second most favorite exchange between Jack and Daniel. How do I know you're really Daniel? Because yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> because they, they, this is how well they know each other. You can just be like, because they yeah, are. Right. So all of the aliens are there now and they line up around the bed and they raise their arms and then lower their hands over Zell's and there's this weird kind of light that emanates from their hands and like surrounds Zell's. Then everybody at Takaya kind of backs up and Takaya walks closer to like Zell's head and he finally wakes up and tells her thank you. 
and Zell's done some kind of weird hand gesture, and there's like a flash of light, and we're all suddenly in the gate room. In the gate room, Zell's is like, destroy the SGC, because he's just pissed, like, beyond belief. So she's like, but I can't do that, because I promised first to hear them out. And there's this whole, well, why should we? He's like, well, because I know their word doesn't mean anything, but my word wouldn't mean anything either if I didn't hear them out. And he's like, fine. Ah, so he got to you and your honor. Ah. So he's like, ah, all right, fine. So Jack gives his word that they'll stop mining, but that really doesn't mean anything to Takaya or anybody. And also Jack doesn't have the final say in that. So Jack then goes, so bury your gate. If your gate's buried, nobody can get to your planet. And Takaya does say that the gate is basically useless to them because they don't travel anywhere. So, Okay. They can do that. So the other transgression that like SG-1 did is that Tanane now knows their true form. And Zell's is apparently afraid that in time, Tanane and his people will come to fear them and make weapons out of the key to fight them. And then it's like, they won't. These people are from here. And like, even now in our time here, they still value nature over technology. You should trust these people. They're good people. So Zells then brings Tanane back and Jack introduces them properly. And Zells explains, you know, who they are and what they've done. And Takaya adds that they're honored by their names that his forefathers gave them. And Zells offers for Tanane's people to view them in whichever form they would prefer, either, you know, the raven and the wolf or is this. And Tanane's like, uh, whatever makes you happy is fine. Again, just totally just like, uh, whatever. Whatever. <laughs> so apparently they're going to stay like that in their humanoid type form and not go back to being animals. Yay. Yay. <laughs> um, the gate then starts dialing so- somehow. I get, I guess I these spirits can just dial the gate by themselves. Um, mm-hmm. And it's time for everybody to finally go home. Yay. But wait, Yay. what about all of the SGC personnel? God, that was so bad how it was like an afterthought that Dan it's was like, just like, oh, wait a minute. I forgot about like all the other 200 people in the base. Oh, yes. crap. Um, so Zills does his thing and everybody reappears in the gate room and Hammond is like, what What just happened? And Jack's like, I'll tell you everything later. And the end. And I love the response too. how they're like, oh, wait, what about our friends? And they're like, they're already returned to you. And he turns around and they're all there like, yeah. like a magician who's like, it's already in your pocket. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was a little magician-y like, they're all there. Yes. Right. already done it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It just, oh, it's so weird. Yeah. Uh, so that's the end. Yay. Okay. Greatest native ever. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So as you mentioned earlier, a lot of like Sam's dialogue sounded like stuff Jack would say. Is this something that like Jack was supposed to be there and he couldn't yes. or something? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because uh, Rick's daughter was like born during the filming of this episode. So they kind of had to like, or like just before this episode, like sometime around when this episode was getting filmed. So they had to kind of, shuffle things around at the last minute and so they didn't completely rewrite all of the dialogue and just had Amanda take like Rick's lines so that's that's why that is so funny that it was that obvious that she was acting very Jack-like because she was just like doubting everything and was like nah whatever really okay you want me to talk to a wolf all right fine yeah 
Like the my whippy guys you have, that's totally something Jack would say. For yeah. sure. Yeah. That's so funny. Yep. So, <laughs> yeah. Wait, why did that have to go to the end of the episode for this? I don't know. Someone had to get through it first, and I don't know. Okay. (laughs) Because that's where I made the note in my notes on the episode. Fun fact, you did not have to wait until the finale to bring that one out there. (laughs) Yeah. That's my fun fact for today. Is that your fun fact for me, about me? (laughs) Yes. Oh, okay. So you did not have to wait for this fun fact. Okay, that but happens. It was still fun. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um. Any memos for this week? Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and say that whatever medical examinations they have put in place, <laughs> they are not effective enough because an entire alien species was able to. <laughs> was able to get past them in posing as SG-11. I know, so, it, was, it was seven people. It wasn't just what, like, it wasn't just Captain Connor. It was all of them. It was seven people. Seven. So say, there should be a memo protocol to go through their, you know, returning procedures again to make sure that they don't bring back things from what's other planets name? that are supposed what's to be there. What's your social security number? What's your birthday? <laughs> Where you were born? What's your mother's name? <laughs> Like, if, if I have to tell the bank three secret questions before they'll let me access my account, maybe the SGC should have some of their own secret security questions. Yeah, do some sort of blood draw or something, because I'm going to go ahead and say that it would have been different. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> I do wonder what the blood would have looked like. Yeah. Be interesting. Um, something. But, yeah. That is my memo. You can okay. work on those protocols again. Yes. Good memo. <laughs> okay. Uh, so if the title spirits is again, fairly obvious, but I decided to like look up like the dictionary definition of spirit and there's, there's a lot of them, but I'm going with, um, it's because it was all about alcohol. <laughs> that is one of the dictionary definitions, <laughs> but I think the definition most relevant to this episode is a supernatural being or essence. Yeah. Uh, it sounds about right. All right. We'll go with that one. Okay. So final thoughts. How do we like this episode? Good? Meh? Eh? Uh, I like it. You know, it it was one of those, like, you know, kind of off to the left episodes that didn't really, you know, further the long-term plot line. So it was just kind of fun off to the side. I liked it. It was good. It was cute. Yeah. Me too. Mm -hmm. I like it. I wish I'd remembered it. (laughs) I know. Yeah. I was like, what? Yeah. Uh, Well... Thank you, everybody, for listening. As ever, you can find us on Twitter at SG underscore Rewatch or send us an email at woo, that's W-O-O-S-G Rewatch at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review us, please. And we will see you next time for Touchstone. Bye. Bye.